This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Maliha Sayed. Today, we're looking at whether Washington's effort to distribute COVID relief money to small businesses worked as intended. Now, this program is especially targeting the small businesses with very few employees in our state because they are having a harder time qualifying for federal grant programs. Washington set up a program to make pandemic dollars more accessible to people around the state. Officials prioritized specific businesses for the funding, such as those owned by people of color. Crosscut reporter Brandon Block followed this money to see how the program worked in practice and to see if it ended up reaching the people it was meant to help. Could you tell me a little bit about your story and a little bit about the program that Washington started? Sure. So my story is about the Washington State COVID-19 Business Relief Program. So new today, the governor announcing a competitive grant for small businesses that are hurting because of the COVID-19 outbreak. Which goes by the name Working Washington is what they decided to call it. This was primarily in 2020 and 2021, and they were trying to target relief to small businesses that maybe didn't qualify for federal programs like the Paycheck Protection Program or just otherwise were not served by uh, those types of of federal efforts. Prior to the story, the uh, information about who received those grants was not available um, because it hadn't been published by the state. So we requested that line-by-line, grant-by-grant data um, and have now published it and have done some analysis. And and this story is is that. And to clarify... For the program, these are federal relief dollars that are being funneled through the state. These aren't state dollars. The vast majority of them, yes, are federal uh, money that are that are coming through the state. The state pitched in a little bit of its own money, but uh, for the most part, it's federal money. And how much is it? So the Working Washington program ended up being a little over $400 million. Um, but then there was also a, an additional, uh, just this past July, they put out an additional $75 million uh, which was not titled Working Washington, but was very similar. And so altogether, we're looking at close to a half billion. And you had mentioned that it was intended to reach small businesses in the state who maybe didn't qualify for the federal funding. Is there a reason why they weren't able to access it? There's a lot of different reasons. I think the first one being that, especially the Paycheck Protection Program, that was rolled out really early in the pandemic and was exhausted within weeks. This program really had overwhelming demand from day one, which is why you're seeing so many small businesses scrambling right now. So if you didn't act quickly or didn't have a relationship with a lender, because this wasn't money that was coming directly from the government, it was coming out through banks. So especially businesses owned by people of color or in kind of disadvantaged neighborhoods where maybe they hadn't didn't have previous relationships with lenders um, or just weren't as well sort of versed in in the financial world a lot of times those businesses uh, and this is what previous analysis of PPP has shown that those businesses disproportionately did not receive those loans in, in as high rates as, as white businesses for example and then I think there was also the challenge of there was just more need than there was money to go around. And also you had the the challenge of uh, with PPP, some much larger businesses were able to qualify 
and were able to access those funds before some of the smaller businesses were able to get in there. And then there's also just kind of specific eligibility things. So one of the people that I interviewed for this story is the owner of a barber shop in Linwood in Snohomish County. Um, and his employees are, are technically independent contractors. So he didn't qualify for PPP because that was based on the amount of employees that you had. They're independent contractors. Yeah, they're a business inside of my um, business. Um, so the, the business structure could influence that too. Uh, he got two grants. And did they kind of fit the bill of who the state said that they intended to help, like communities of color or historically underserved communities? Yeah. So the owner, uh, this guy, CJ, uh, his name is Cliff Clifford, but he goes by CJ Jones. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a black man who has started this business, uh, yeah, about 20 years ago. It asked you to tell about your business, too, like in the application. And I was just saying I was part of the, I've been here 20 years, I, I'm a part of the community, I you know, take care of the kids, and I don't know, you know, I gotta sell it, I sell, but I was being honest, though. And it's a pretty small business, and uh, it's, yeah, just, just this one location. So, yeah, I think this is kind of exactly the type of business that this program was was targeting. I would say the other thing about it is that the grants were a, of a modest size compared to, you know, especially the federal programs uh, where companies got, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, uh, depending on the size of the business. So generally, these are grants, like you said, the size is not really comparable to what businesses were getting through federal programs. Yeah, it's much smaller, much smaller than than PPP, certainly. One of the, the companies that received a lot of money was this very uh, popular group of Seattle restaurants uh, run by the chef Ethan Stowell. They run over a dozen restaurants in Seattle and, and some in, in other cities. Um, and they combined received about 400000 a little over $400,000, which were, was one of the companies that received uh, the most money that, that we found in the data. Um, but we're talking about each individual restaurant, maybe twenty thirty thousand $30,000. And I, and I interviewed Ethan Stowell, and, and his take was kind of... Um, that, you know, obviously they're super appreciative to have this, but it's that kind of money isn't really making or breaking whether any of these restaurants survived. I think he said, you know, maybe that is a couple weeks of payroll at, at one of the restaurants. So, yeah, certainly the amount of impact that these grants were having varied depending on the size of the business. You know, for a really small business like this barbershop, that was really helpful. For a restaurant in Seattle, maybe that's uh, not going as far. We'll get into some of the specifics, but I'd just be curious to know off the cuff, what did you find Like when you were comparing what the money was intended for versus how it was distributed? Yeah, I think what we found is that, unfortunately, the data is not kind of comprehensive enough to make some of the determinations um, about whether or not the program achieved its intended goals. And so we asked the Department of Commerce, uh, who was in charge of this program, you know, if they could produce any kind of evidence showing that they had achieved the goals that, that they set out, uh, or that were set out for them, I should say, they were specifically directed to prioritize, quote-unquote, disadvantaged communities and specifically to prioritize uh, Black and Indigenous people of color uh, business owners. But the data is tricky because, unfortunately, it wasn't tracked uh, like that information about business owners' uh, race was not collected in every round. Um, so we have that information for some rounds and not others. The Department of Commerce also said that, that uh, those questions were voluntary. 
And so they they believe that those numbers are underreported. And so there's there are some ambiguities and some challenges around the data that that kind of make it hard to to determine. Um, I don't think we're ready to say that it like failed because of of the sort of uh, difficulties in the data, but there's nothing overwhelmingly suggesting that it was a, a success. The Department of Commerce says they're legally prevented from requiring those that got the grants to disclose their race or ethnicity, but did the state, either in your research or in your conversations, did you see anywhere or hear them indicate how they even intended to prioritize communities of color or historically underserved communities? If they weren't going to track it, did they say how they would prioritize them? No, uh, they didn't. I asked them about that, and the person who uh, I interviewed who was in charge of of this program basically just said that he didn't know. And the other thing I asked was, you know, okay, if if there are all these limitations to the data that you're describing, then then how do you measure success? And they didn't really have an answer to that question either. And then you also kind of focus on the different grant amounts that businesses received. So it sounded like some are getting upwards of 170000 I was most curious about the beauty salon that got $40. Did you find other gaps like that where some businesses are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars and others are getting less than 100 Yeah, uh, we did. So the, the largest single award, uh, as you mentioned, was, was $170,000. Um, the grants, generally speaking, got bigger and bigger over time. So this program started in, uh, I believe, April of 2020. Um, and then the last round just went out uh, this past July. And yeah, over the course of that time, each round kind of got successfully larger, um, culminating in this huge fourth round, which was like 240 some million dollars. Um, so over half of the money went out in, in that one round. So yeah, the, the, the largest individual grants were $170,000. But one of the things that we found was that uh, some sort of larger corporate entities that, you know, maybe own a bunch of locations of, of a chain submitted multiple applications and were actually able to receive hundreds of thousands of dollars by applying multiple times, um, which raises some questions about whether they were the types of businesses that, that this program was targeting. I, I think the most emblematic example of this that we found was uh, there's a group of gyms, of Orange Theory fitness gyms. And this is the national chain Orange Theory. Yeah, this is an international chain. Orange Theory workouts are designed by experts. Different franchises are owned by by different organizations or, or people, but in this case, there's a company that owns uh, dozens of locations in uh, Washington and, and also in, in Texas, uh, in Florida and Texas, which is where this company is based. Um, they refer to themselves as the largest independently operated uh, group of um, Orange Theory Fitness gyms in, in their promotional materials, at least. Um, I haven't verified that, but, but that's how they refer to themselves. So uh, this is a pretty large company. They reported over $20 million in, in annual revenue um, across all of their Seattle locations in the in their application, but they uh, submitted applications on behalf of each gym. And so they were doing this by just essentially each particular business, even if it's part of this broader chain, they were applying for a grant each round or however many rounds under each business by location. Like this was not something that they were doing under the guise of Orange Theory as a whole. 
That's correct. Yeah. And each of the um, gyms that had a different name in the application. So if, yeah, if you, if you were just looking at it and you, and you didn't have any background in this company, you, it's possible to think that they're different companies. The way that we found it is because in this particular, in these two particular rounds, uh, they asked for an applicant name and the applicant name is the same on all of them. And so then we were able to track the name of the business and, you know, it's a holding company for another company. And uh, I, I think the particular reason that this is relevant is because the program was targeted to businesses that earn under $5 million a year in revenue. That was the specific direction that the legislature gave to the Department of Commerce in terms of who should qualify. So um, so if you're looking at, you know, this individual gym is would qualify because they're bringing in less than $5 million a year. But if you're looking at this gym as part of this larger company that owns dozens of gyms, um, then then they the revenue is, is well over that. So it was sort of an ambiguity in how the program was administered that, that companies like this were allowed to receive multiple awards. Um, and I asked the, the Department of Commerce about this, and they basically just said that they were not required to consider the ownership structure of uh, the applicant. Well, also the program, like you mentioned, it's intended to reach historically underserved communities in BIPOC businesses. But in your story, you outlined some ways that BIPOC businesses were maybe not able to access the funding or struggle to access the funding. And there were barriers that seemed to specifically affect them. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that was definitely the case with a lot of the federal programs like PPP. Um, I will say from the folks that I've talked to, you know, the part of the goal of this program was for it to be more accessible. You know, it was framed as grants rather than as forgivable loans, which definitely was something that made people has some people hesitant to apply for PPP because just the whole idea of is it a grant, is it a loan, am I going to have to pay this back, what kind of risk am I opening up myself to, that was definitely a concern that a lot of um, business owners, particularly business owners of color, voiced. And so, you know, I think the fact that these were presented as grants made them more accessible. And I think for the most part, uh, people that I talked to said they felt like Working Washington was, was pretty straightforward in terms of the application process, you know, there was a, there were less uh, requirements about what you could do with the money. Um, so I, you know, I heard a lot of positive things about the intent to kind of streamline this um, and make it a little bit more accessible. Having said that, I, you know, I also talked to some folks who run businesses who are immigrants, who English is not their first language. Uh, who struggled with some of the technical requirements of of applying. Um, particularly, I, I spoke to this woman, uh, her name's Tina Hong, and she runs a teriyaki restaurant in Everett. And uh, she actually did qualify for one round of, of working washing grants, but then was rejected in another round because there was a very specific piece of information that she needed to provide called a unique entity identification. It's like a federal code, basically, that you need to go on a website and, and find. And she just wasn't able to find it. Um, and so was rejected from that round of, of working Washington that required it. So yeah, so so things like that, where uh, just sort of technical or language challenges for, for people uh, for whom English is not their first language was was a was a barrier for some folks. 
looking back at how this program operated and was distributing its funding, are we able to draw conclusions about how effective it was? Or is it hard to say because very little data was tracked? Yeah, I think it's hard to say how whether or not it achieved the kind of more specific goals that it had. You know, I, I think you can point broadly to, and, I, and certainly the state would say, you know, we distributed close to half a billion dollars that we we got it out you know as fast as we could in a in a very fluid time there have i guess i should say there have been some criticisms of of the amount of time particularly this last round that that went out in in july of of this year was actually budgeted a full year earlier and so took quite a while to get out so there certainly have been criticisms of of the amount of time it it took for that funding to get out so yeah, I think it it's a little bit hard to to say whether it whether it achieved the goal of like reaching these particular businesses that it sought to reach. It certainly reached businesses. <laughs> whether it was the ones that it was supposed to uh, is is a little bit harder to say. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Brandon Block. It was produced by Sarah Bernard and me, Maliha Sayed. The story editor and executive producer was Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you would like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docuseries we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day. Go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Maliha Sayed. We'll be back soon with another episode.